Okay, welcome to episode 47 of the Pushing Rubber podcast. I'm Adam Piggott. I'm the host with the most. I have it all. I know it all. Blah, 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 blah. And I have a cold, which I got from the good wife who has been sick all weekend. And so I looked after her. I cooked her soups. You know, I got her ice creams. I put movies on for her to watch while she lay on the couch. And she's a very good sick person. No complaining. She just goes very quiet. Is how I like it, and I was very careful not to get too close. No kissing. I was like, Sorry, and she was right. Like, yeah, yeah. And yesterday I woke up with the throat. So here I am, uh, sick, uh, and it's nine o'clock in the morning here in Melbourne, and I've been up since five. You think that. You'd think that when you're sick, you'd sleep in, but I just wake up and my whole head is congested and I've got to get up and that's it. I've been up and I've just been uh, surfing the interwebs to see that the FBI director, Trump fired James Cooney, whatever his name is, the FBI director about 10 minutes ago. That's that's pretty hilarious considering the Democrats were calling for him to be fired before the election. What are they going to do now? How are they going to run it? Even last week, I think the Democrats were, were, were blaming Cooney for... for Hillary Clinton losing the election, and now Trump's fired him. Oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, on Trump, look, there's been a lot of, I mean, stuff. I mean, a lot of people lost their brains on the alt-right thinking that Trump had betrayed them um, on the Syrian missile, 50 missiles into Syria and all this. And now the, the budget's come, come through in the States and there's no, uh, Ann Coulter's thrown a wobbly and, and uh, said that Trump, uh, Trump's not a miracle worker, and he's he's up he's he's learning on the job. He's learning on the go. He's the one thing I said as soon as Trump got elected was right. I'm just going to sit back and watch the first year, man. I'm going to watch the first year because I, I reckon it's going to take Trump a year to get into this, at least to work out all the ins and outs, to work out the power balances, the structures, and where he needs to pull the uh, the sweater apart at the seams, which. Which points do we need? Does he need to start pulling at first, so it all comes apart, and so he can rebuild the whole thing? And I actually think that this budget uh, was really good because with the, the Republicans having control of absolutely everything, they still didn't do what they promised they'd do. Uh, and it's a, uh, what would you prefer Trump to do? To expose that by letting them do it, or to try and cover it up? Trump's not going to go in there and, and and try and fix mistakes despite the people who are making the mistakes okay this is this is a long-term project that trump's doing which is why he's the right man for the job so for those of you guys who at every point if you think it's only steps forward if you think trump just marches through with a wrecking ball and everyone magically falls into line and that whatever he does doing that is then going to hold up when he's gone and the next guy moves in then you you've you've done no study of history at all all right. Now, I was very surprised at Ankuthia because I thought I thought that you know she'd had a half a brain, and, and it was interesting when I wrote an article a few months ago on how why I don't read books by women. A lot of people quoted Ankuthia to me. It was like, but there's your exception. There's your exception. Well, yeah, well, she's just shown that she's a fucking moron as well. So that's why I'm not writing stuff about Trump. It's very, very rarely. I've just this first year, guys, is about watching and observing. Watch and observe how the master do, does it, okay? He's in there and he's working and he's just fired the FBI director who was a horrible Obama shill. Um, don't knee-jerk at everything that's going on. It's going to be two steps forward, one back. That's how it's going to work until he works out exactly how to pull the sweater to pieces and then he's going to do it and rebuild it properly, Okay. So have a little faith in the guy, for Christ's sake, who got elected in the first place with all of the opposition there. Uh, speaking of elections, French election just happened. Um, I wrote a, an article about it saying uh, nationalism is not a dirty word. And I said that the French election was about three things, immigration, immigration, immigration. And I had a few people got a comment on the blog, blog uh, uh, from Paul... It's a regular commenter and generally on my side, but uh, 
We were glibly and authoritarily informed that the French election was about immigration, immigration, immigration. Adam was way out. I think Paul was drunk when he wrote this based on the grammar because he's normally pretty good. Um, if you can't look at the French election and see how what percentage of people voted for Le Pen and understand that the French election was entirely about immigration, well, then I can't help you. Le Pen did not have to win for that election to be about immigration. Uh, the numbers are coming in. 40% of uh, people under the age of uh, 25 voted for Le Pen. If you don't think that that was about immigration, I don't know what to say. It was entirely, absolutely about immigration. Um, all right, last week I had the biggest day on the blog as regards to numbers. Um, and th today I've beaten that, <clears throat> which is pretty cool. Uh, my my yoga is not two and a half thousand views. My yoga is not exercise post, um, which is pretty cool. Um, thanks, Cappy, for linking to it. This is always a big help. But uh, I had a whole bunch of people linking through me as well. Um, it's all starting to add up, which is really nice. Seeing the growth start to take off. Uh, I'm just hoping that when I move to Europe in about a month, uh, I'm able to keep keep it moving because the blog actually did drop down in January when I was over there on holiday but uh, um, I've just got to try and keep my head in the game unfortunately my computer is not coming with me and I'm going to take the laptop um, which is not even near as close to what this desktop is so especially for the podcasting so I don't know how that's going to go but I'm going to need to get it set up and maybe use it for the last week that I'm here in Australia uh, to get it sorted out uh, on the subject of yoga being not exercise, um, which it isn't in a million years, uh, it was interesting how many comments I had. Like my actual post was titled, Yoga is not exercise. I didn't say yoga is not anything at all. I said yoga is not exercise. Um, and then I'm getting con comments... Uh, uh, from David, I started Bikram Yoga a number of years ago. I'll tell you how good it was for me, blah, 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 blah. And he told you about all the stuff that it helped him with, uh, flexibility and stretches, and he's able to do other stuff better, and blah, 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 blah. And that's all great, man, but it's still not exercise, which was my entire point. Uh, then Dano, got to disagree with you. I went to a hot yoga class with a wife and thought I was going to die. Um... My Fitbit showed a heart rate 160 before the sweat gushing out from every pore of my body interfered with a monitor. I was thinking I lift weights three or four times a week and do cardio. Other days I'm going to die in a yoga class in front of my wife and a bunch of women who are 20 years younger than me. Uh, hot yoga is not yoga, man. Uh, if I play chess in a sauna, I'm going to I'm gonna have the sweat gushing out of every pore of my body as well. doesn't make it exercise. This is why they do. They have to do stuff like hot yoga. We'll, I tell you what, we'll do hot yoga with the temperature turned up and it'll be a workout. No, it won't, you fucking morons. If you sit outside in the sun and it's, and it's 50 degrees Celsius, you're, gonna, you're not exercising, but you'll be dead in a bit. Fucking hell. I mean, oh. um, what else have we got? Uh, here we go. I'm in my late 60s, was an aerobics teacher. I swam three times weekly. I've had two full knee replacements in the last 10 years, all due to step aerobics and daily gym workouts through my younger days. If there's one thing I don't do is I don't fuck with my knees. I don't run on, I don't run on hard surfaces like concrete or cement or anything like that. If I'm ever going to run, it's on a beach or on a carpeted pine needle forest floor. That's it. Yeah? And I certainly don't do things like step aerobics. Okay. Yeah. what's this got to do with, with yoga? I now attend chair yoga and it is exercise for the body as well as the mind. I sweat after my yoga and feel the muscles I've uh, worked on, but watch out, you exercise people. You're in for physical ride when older. Look, I don't know what chair yoga is. Is that where you tie yourself to a chair and try to do the poses? I have no idea. I don't even want to bother looking it up. But it's not yoga. There was nowhere in my post about yoga that there was also the word chair attached to the word yoga. In fact, there was not the word chair in my entire yoga po post anywhere. It was an absence of the word chair. It was a chair-free zone. 
I don't know what chair yoga is, but it's not fucking yoga. Ah. Next one. I strongly disagree. I've worked out and played sport my whole life. I'm 46 now and picked up yoga about two years ago. and It has enhanced my health and improved my other workouts in immeasurable ways. I am not much fitter than I was before. And I, I think he, he meant to say I am much fitter than I was before. And I give a lot of credit to yoga. I highly recommended it. That's great, bro. Cool story, bro. Still doesn't make it exercise. Which was my entire point. I mean, this is just... Go back, go, 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 click on it, read all the, uh, read what I said in my article, and we've got all these people coming, oh, better, better, yeah. It's just like, it's just like people's deductive reasoning goes out the window whenever they've got anything to do with a subject, but that's got nothing to do with a subject. I just, I just, and by the way, these people are, a lot of these people are regular commenters, commenters who actually say really good stuff, like particularly David. David's a regular commenter. He's put a lot of good comments on my blog, but come on, man. I mean, really, really, really. Oh. Now, um, let's get the shout-outs done early, just so it's done. So Captain Capitalism, or shout-out. Hey, if you want to sponsor my blog, I've only got the good Cappy sponsoring my blog. So, you know, you've got a lot of space to work with here. Get hold of me. We could do an exchange. I don't want money. I'll do a, we'll do an exchange. You, you, you do me, I'll do you. Not in, a, in the biblical sense, of course. Anyway, the good captain has, well, there's a, a, a big plug I can do for Aaron. Big plug. Let me just click on his blog here. Um, he has a new book out, which he's calling an essay, because it's only 140 pages, uh, which is about twice the length of anything written um, by... Uh, Mike Chernovich or Cernovich or or it's Chernovich, it's Italian. That's how you pronounce it, dickheads. Uh, it's about twice the length of anything written by him. <laughs> so and he calls them books. So Aaron, you can probably call it a book, man. Um, and uh, it's about uh, it's basically he's trying to bring in I think new readers. So he's covering different areas, but he's 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 saying the same stuff that he said before, but in a different context. In this case, with uh, retirement and planning for a retirement system and how it works out. Um, and you're saying about future percent stuff will be material you're already familiar with. I like the cover too. I think he's done a good job on the cover. I don't know who the dude is. It look, kind of looks like Adam Smith. But I'm not that familiar with American uh, um, politics, but I think it looks Adam Smithy. That's that's well. That's I'm looking at that, and that's the name that's jumping in my head. Ding. Um, so check out Aaron's new book. Um, it's available on it's available in paperback uh, with Kindle and audio audio book coming shortly. So check that out at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com.au or .com. It's .au because I'm in Australia. Um, and uh, if you're not familiar with Aaron, he has a podcast, he has a YouTube, he has an arsehole consulting business where he will tell you uh, what's wrong with your life. Um, he had one on about marrying Australian women <laughs> this week. Um, I won't get because I might be chatting about it with Aaron. We haven't worked it out yet. Um, okay, so there we go, the chat, Aaron. He's a big supporter of me, um, and I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that because uh, Aaron doesn't pull his punches. All right, I'm getting a little distracted here. Subject this week. Subject this week. Vegetarianism. I had an interesting conversation with a woman uh, last week in a social context. Um, she spent the first five, five minutes or so dancing around some issues and trying to ascertain where I stand uh, politically on certain topics. Um, and she kind of she kind of looked at me very nervously and at one point I was like, oh, you know, um, so what do you think of all this climate change stuff? Um, and in these situations, um, 
the way the way I like to do it is to step up and 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 hit it out of the park first shot, um, and not pussyfoot around. And then if it turns out that they're entirely ideologically opposed to my stance, then I don't have to waste any more time speaking to that person if they're going to react in a very bad way. I, by the way, I have no problem talking to people who whose views are diametrically opposed to my own. And I'll sit there and I'll chat away and chat away and chat away and chat away forever because I'm such a boring, shitless bastard. Um, but I find generally that other people, when they find out that you don't believe in, for instance, for example, the great god of climate change and Gaia and uh, you know all that sort of stuff, they, they tend, on my experience, to lose their shit rather rapidly and start calling you, you know, bad person your ad hominem attacks come out and pretty much immediately you know the, the word nazi is getting branded around a lot lately um, i've been called a nazi quite often um which is a pity because i wouldn't mind you know having a hugo boss uniform hanging in my closet but unfortunately i don't so you know i can't can't go for that good um good tailoring at the moment i have got some hugo boss stuff but anyway um if you don't know hugo boss designed all of the uniforms for the nazis um so anyway she was like oh you know what do you think of climate change <laughs> nervous little laugh and i just said oh, i think it's full of shit i think climate change is uh is a scam it's the biggest scam in human history as far as i can tell uh and i'm a keen study of history i don't think there's a bigger financial scam in history than climate change because it's worldwide it's absolutely worldwide Apart from places, I think, like... Well, it's not worldwide. It's Western worldwide because the Africans obviously aren't. And South Americans, they're not really interested in climate change. And you, can, you can bet your ball bag that uh, China, Asia doesn't care about it. And that was actually a really nice thing about being in Singapore. There was no... There was no... Oh, no, there was. Fuck, there was. We went... We were in Singapore and we went to this... They got this, like, eco-dome thing that is behind them the famous hotel on the three sticks with a flat bit on top. Um, it looks like a surfboard sitting on three popsicle sticks. And behind it, they've got this, like, this rainforest dome and they've got this thing and you walk through it. And all of, the, all of the information that was presented was about the, the change in climate and how much we do. And I was just thinking, wow, Singapore's fallen for this. That's, that's not what I expected. But maybe they're just, they're just doing it to show face to all their Western visitors so that the Western visitors all feel, oh, look, the Singaporeans believe in climate change too. I prob that's probably more what it is. And like, the Singaporeans really just couldn't give a fuck. Anyway, so the woman asked me, you know, what I think of climate change. And I hit it out of the park and her reaction is like an overwhelming relief that I think the same way she does or that she thinks the way, same way I do, to be more precise. And... And so she's like, oh, well, so we talk about we talk about uh, climate change scam for a while, uh, a few minutes, and blah 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 blah, and then brings up other subjects. And, and while we're talking, we talk about we also talk discuss the media and governments and how they get information across, um, and how and how people fall for it and propaganda and and the art of being able to see through propaganda and understand when what you're being given is propaganda. Um, and so, you know, having a really good conversation. But this is this is where the interesting thing comes up. So I wrote a post. Let me, oh, I suppose I should have got this out beforehand. Um, I wrote it about diet. Uh, might have been after the... Um, no, I can't find it. Ah, oh, I know where it is. It's in one of my Friday links. It's one of my Friday links. I think it's the one I just did last week. Okay, hey, guess what? So-called scientists lied to us for about 60 years about cholesterol and heart disease and everything because they got paid... Uh, some lousy money by a sugar industry funding group. 
Uh, and the only reason this finally came out is because the science, scientists in question are dead. Harvard scientists, Harvard scientists, by the way. So the old, you probably remember from school, the old image of the the heart and the valves and the tubes kind of being like a pipe and the fatty deposits and cholesterol build up on the artery walls and then eventually the blood can't get through and <coughs> heart attack and you're dead. Well, apparently that's false. Mm. Mm. And apparently um, uh, cholesterol doesn't doesn't do this at all. Uh, and neither does uh, saturated fats, believe it or not. Um, so these scientists lied to, lied to everyone for about six years, and they not only did that, but they were in hock. The sugar industry paid them $46,000 back in the 1960s. Um, and they would actually... The sugar industry would, 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 American sugar industry would send them articles written by other people that were pointing out that sugar has a contributing factor towards heart disease. And so the scientist's job was to discredit um, this article. And they could do that by discredit, discrediting, taking one piece of the article and using that to discredit the whole argument. Or actually, they couldn't do that then to discredit the person who wrote it themselves, or even a combination of both. Um, and they did this continuously. Um, and th- these were the people who managed to convince us that butter was bad, but margarine, some of it's made out of petrochemicals, uh, was good to ingest into your body. That's how that's how successful uh, these people uh, actually are or were at doing this. Um, and I got um, so we got talking about that, and then we got. She said, "What do, what do you think of?" Um, what do you think of the pharmaceutical industry? And and I was ready to uh, uh, keep going. And I think that I said that I, I, I read actually a very, very um, interesting article on America.com. Um, America.com spelled A A M E R I K A. It's the same. It's the same spelling as um, the Black Crows had a really cool album that came out in about '95 called America. It was a really cool album cover too, uh, with um, with it was just like a close up of a of a woman wearing a very 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 slim bikini, and she hadn't shaved her pubic hair for a while, and the bikini was an American flag, um, and I, I quite liked that cover, but I definitely liked that album. Uh, and what I'm trying to do here, as I'm speaking to you. Because uh, I hate I hate pausing this podcast and trying to go through. I'm just going through America's site and trying to find because they actually God I've been on this site for a couple of days, uh, and they really do post a lot of stuff. Uh, America should dot org should be one of your. Um, one of your go-to sites for this sort of stuff. Uh, Oh, they've had a whole lot lot of posts here because of the um, French French election. Um, But uh, I'm still trying to find out. If it's not on this page, then I'm just going to have to... I'm just going to have to remember it, which is, you know, it means I'll have to use my brain, uh, which is... uh, not nice. I don't want to do that. But um, let's have a look. It might be this one. If it's not that one. Bear with me. I'm sorry about this. Uh, it's not that one. Uh, basically, uh, I can't find it guy came in and wrote a comment where he said uh, that he used to work in the pharmaceutical industry um, and he uh, he said that basically every time that re- they released a new drug the 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 drug had a war chest of money for future um, lawsuits uh, for people who died uh, while using the drug. 
uh, believe it or not. And what they did was they did a risk assessment where they worked out what they think would be the number of, statistically the number of people uh, who would die from using the drug. Um, and and what, um, how much money they make from the drug. And if the money they were going to make from the drug was more than than what they're going to pay out in um, or in in lawsuits, then they go ahead with it. And this was this is standard operating practice for the pharmaceutical industry. Um, I myself uh, very 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 rarely take drugs. I, I took. So those of you who follow me will know that I, to treat my um, nasty snail parasite that I picked up on the White Nile in Uganda 15 years ago, I had to take some pretty atomic bomb drugs earlier this year uh, and late last year, which uh, were not pleasant indeed. Um, but that's very, very, very unusual for me. I, I don't take, like, I'm not going to take cold and flu tablets now. I'm not going to take uh, antibiotics. I'm not going to go and take painkillers or anything like that. It's just, just tough it out and put up with it. Uh, because the more of the shit you put into your body, the more the more you weaken your body's natural natural fighting resistances. I mean, when we were at school, when I was growing up at school forty years ago, thirty five years ago, there, there were there was almost no kids in class had allergies. There was this, it just doesn't exi- didn't exist. No one had to worry about eating peanuts or bringing a peanut bar to school. It just just didn't didn't exist. Um, there were no diabetic kids. None. Absolutely none at all. No, no one I remember at school was a diabetic. Everyone was eating whatever they wanted without any issue at all. Uh, and it's just, and, and since then we've just, we just shoved and shoved, shoved drugs into into kids and into ourselves uh, constantly. Whatever you, I've got a, a pretty abiding principle is whatever you put into your, your body. I mean, you got the old thing with the fuel going into the car, okay analogy that sort of thing but you really need to consider it that way like um your body breaks down all the shit that gets put into it so just think let's fill a stadium with all the food that you've eaten over the course of your life all the alcohol that you've drunk all the stuff that you've smoked uh all the pills that you've taken everything that you've ingested everything that's gone through your mouth over the, by the number of years, okay, so let's just go, you know, 365 days a year, um, two meals a day, let's just make it two meals a day. So let's just say, say 700 meals a year. Uh, and it's what well, I'm 45 years old. So that's around, it's over 3,000 meals, is it? 700 times 10, no, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. Uh, seven times that's, that's around thirty-five thousand meals. <laughs> okay, I don't want to even want to think about the booze. <laughs> I don't. I don't even want to think about. Uh, yeah, and your your body's your body's continually. You get, you get the point. And cancer is, of course, is your is is your body just fighting this on a continual basis? Yep, boom, boom, knocking that one down. And yet, cancer when that when one gets through, chung whatever these one things are. I know this isn't very scientific what I'm saying, but I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to pretend that I am. Your body breaks down when one gets through your defences, and that's when you get sick, and that's when you start having issues. And the more that stuff that your body has to break down, the more chances for something to get through the defences. And the more that you weaken your own body's ability to be able to deal with what's coming through. So you're throwing shit out of it down your mouth, but at the same time you're taking all these pills that weakens your body's natural state and, and, and takes the job of actually fighting stuff from your body to pills. I mean, the best thing to get kids resistant to all sorts of allergies and, 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 and things like that is to let them go out and play in the dirt and actually come through and eat dirt. <laughs> Like we used to do when we were kids. And you're eating bacteria. It's all getting in your system, blah, blah, blah. And your body's like, ooh, we'll deal with this. We know what this is. Great, we can deal with that from an early age. You never let a kid out. If a kid has never left the house, 
you've always kept it inside protected. You give it medicine all the time, and it goes out for the first time and gets in mud, it's going to get really, really, really fucked up. I'll tell you that right now. So we're talking about the pharmaceutical industry, we're talking about blah, 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 blah. And then we got on to food. Okay, so keep in mind that the whole time I'm talking to this chick, um, op- intelligent, open mind, um, able to rationally and logically, rare for a woman, um, determine what was propaganda, what wasn't thinking for herself, blah, blah, blah. She's got a couple of kids. We're all agreeing on everything. And then we got to food because I was telling her about this link with this scientist, blah, blah, blah. And she said, what was the summing up? And I said, well, uh, apparently this, this has only been found out because there's a, a, a researcher who spent the last four or five years going through all of the correspondence between these Harvard scientists and the sugar industry and everything, and blah, 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 blah. And, and their advice is, look, people have only started getting really sick since the government started telling us what to eat. <laughs> oh, maths. I mean, look at the obesity levels. Look at the diabetes levels. Look at the asthma levels. Uh, look at the, at, the, at the rates of allergies. And, and the kids who are, att- who, are, who are bipolar or attention deficit disorder or autistic. Or, I mean, it's out the, off the fucking charts. I mean, it doesn't mean that this, this didn't exist back when I was a kid, but it was like there was one retarded kid in the school, one kid in your class who was like a bit not right. That was it. But now it's like a matter of course. So the, the advice from these people who have debunked all this research is, look, eat real food, whole food, and walk for about 20 minutes a day for exercise, and you'll be a lot better off than any government program. And and she was like, oh, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. And I said, so, you know, real food, that's like, I told her what I'd had, I'd, what I'd normally cook. And I eat, my, my, my wife and I eat a lot of meat, a lot. But it's real meat. It's not like processed stuff. First, first of all, I go to a really good butcher, and we spend a lot of money on, on, on good food. You have to spend some money if you want the right stuff. And the right stuff means not pump full of antibiotics and all that sort of shit. By the way, I don't mean anything with the word organic. If there's one thing I, I avoid, it's anything with the word organic. That is just a license. That's just the biggest scam since climate change, as far as I'm concerned. There are there are no there are no regulations on what I, I look. I could shit in a box and call that organic. And by the way, to be true, yeah, organic just means triple the price for no good reason. That's what organic. So real food means like good stews or a steak done correctly with a nice green sauce or a butter sauce, Bernays or something like that. Um, vegetables that haven't been killed to death and which are actually fresh vegetables and, and cooked properly. Like I'm really, really thankful that I spent so long in Italy and learned how to cook and eat properly over there. It is so important uh, to be able to do this. And I had a, I had a, uh, I haven't answered yet. I got a message from someone on Gab, who's asked me uh, to me. They've sent this message. You should really do weekly recipe or something similar on your blog. It would be a real value up there with the twenty eight trades. Look, I've done it a few times. I did a, a cooking, how to cook a steak, and I did one on uh, coffee and blah blah blah. It just gets not only does it get absolutely zero reactions, um, but the views drop off the charts. I mean, off. It's like, I may as well have not written a post that day. Um, so I've tried it a few times. If you guys actually do want me to do posts, like a weekly post on food or something like that, I am happy to do it. But there's got to be some interaction. Uh, there's This is how you judge a post, whether it's a success or not. How many views it gets, how many times it's been disseminated, around the interwebs and how many comments it gets okay uh, how many times if you provide links in the post how many times have those links been clicked on by your viewers because I can track all this stuff like if I've if I've had a thousand people view a post um, and I've got a link in there I'd expect that link to have been clicked on 50 to 100 times if I get a thousand people come in to view one of my articles that say, um, uh, say Aaron Clary has, has posted up on his blog, 
then I would have expected for 100 people to come through, then about 10,000 people have viewed that link on Aaron's blog. So you're able to gauge the traffic. But not only that, but also about how many links they had at the same time. Because if it's like, if Aaron puts up a post with four links in it, or it's just mine, then you've got more concentration of information, that sort of stuff. So I can easily tell whether or not um, a post uh, is effective or not. And the times that I've done them on cooking or food or uh, anything like that, the, the viewer rates are not only not there, they're not even close. And yet I've had multiple people, This is I just had one this morning, multiple people ask me to do this and yet they don't get the support. So look, if you guys want me to do this stuff, I will, but it's, 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 gotta, be, it's gotta be worth the time. I'm, I'm not doing this blog out of the goodness of my heart, I'm doing it to sell books. So every time I have a big day, I sell more books. Um, it also, it's also good for my writing. It hones my writing technique and that sort of thing. But primarily, I'm not sitting down and, and spending all this time out of the goodness of my own heart. If you think I'm doing that, then you're, you're on another planet. So back to this uh, chat with this woman. Uh, so we're agreeing on everything that we get to vegetarianism. And I said, and I said, whole foods, you know. And she was like, so it turns out she's vegetarian. And she backs up immediately. Up go the haunches. I'm just staying nice and calm and casual. But here was the really interesting thing. To defend her vegetarianism, because I'm saying, look, we are omnivores. We are not designed to only eat vegetables. We are designed to eat a combination of meat and fish and vegetables. And that is how we get the resources we need to keep our body going. If you're a vegetarian, you're stressing your body because your body is having to work harder to extract the nutrients and proteins that it requires to keep going. And she was like, oh, there's proteins in vegetables. I was like, yes, there's proteins in vegetables. But compared to eating a steak, the amount of vegetables that you need to put in your mouth to get the same amount of protein that you get from a big juicy fillet steak is a lot higher, which means you're putting much more stuff in, which means your body is having to work harder. I mean, the thing about proteins uh, and fats, in particular, like lard, I love lard, is that they, they fill you up quicker, a lot quicker. You need a lot less of them to get the same effect, which means you eat less. If you're trying to fill up on carbohydrates and vegetables, you need to eat a lot more, which is why these people are so fat, who are on these, like, a low-protein, low-fat diets you know it's just like why are they so fat because to feel full they're having to put in 10 times as much your body's having to work more it's having to break more stuff down it has to try and get rid of it more you're stressing your body out so i mean if those of you read my first book know that i got sick i got ulcerative colitis uh in my mid-20s and the reason i got ulcerative colitis was because I'd been a vegetarian for a couple of years and my body didn't handle it all that well. And uh, when I finally found a doctor who wasn't a moron, one of the first, the first, his first I know, part of his first diagnosis was, for God's sake, young man, start eating meat. And I gotta tell you, that first fillet steak tasted so fucking good. Oh, God, did that taste good. Really good. Here's the interesting thing, I know I'm getting to my point. So this woman has been logical the whole time. We've talked about climate change. We've been talking about pharmaceutical stuff. We've talked about all sorts of things. I don't remember what all the stuff we're talking about. And the whole time she was she was pointing out the the, the government false messages and the propaganda, blah, 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 blah. But as soon as we got to vegetarianism, and she was a vegetarian, and I started putting my arguments and she disagreed with me, what do you think she used to try and defend her position? Government studies, experts. All the stuff, all the propaganda that she'd been debunking so easily on all the other topics. When it came to a topic that she wanted to believe in it, then she used exactly the same propaganda from exactly the same mouthpieces, whether they be media, think tanks, uh, companies trying to sell a product, or government. And I pointed this out to her, and she started to really struggle with this. Really, really, really struggle. And you could tell, but and bring up another one, and I'm saying, well, look, look. In any bit of information you're giving me, 
what I'm going to say is the person providing the so-called expert information, what are they selling? What are they selling? And every time, every time she would look at it and go, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. The funniest one, the funniest one that she came up with was she was like, she came up with, she'd read a study that humans are designed only to eat vegetables historically, that cavemen only ate vegetables. Now, on the face of it, this is just so, such utter rubbish. First of all, how do we know that cavemen only ate vegetables? How do you know? And they go, well, how do you don't? How do you not know? That's not the point. You're trying to prove, sell something to me. You sell it. The onus is on you to give me the proof. Okay? You came in telling me that cavemen, for the majority of the part, their diet was vegetarian. Right? You sell that to me. I'm not going to sell it for you. And then I, and then I had a thought, a thought. And I said to her, look, as far as I'm aware, the only historical record we have of cavemen is what they've painted on walls of caves. And as far as I know, every time you see a cave painting, there's hunters sticking sticks in mammoths, or there's hunters sticking sticks in deers, or there's hunters sticking sticks in saber-toothed tigers, or there's hunters sticking sticks in you fucking name the animal that they're sticking the sticks in. But as far as I'm concerned, cavemen, cave paintings, I don't remember seeing any cave paintings of eggplants. Hmm? I don't remember seeing any cave paintings of carrots. I just don't remember it. And when I said this, she had to laugh because it's just so ridiculous. Of course we're only seeing cave paintings of them hunting mammoths because that's what they were eating as fucking mammoths. Another thing is, is genetically, there were no such thing as carrots that were edible and cavemen were about. I mean, the apple was not edible 2,000 years ago. It was this tiny, tiny, tiny little fruit, but it's been genetically bred and modified by grafting. started in China, apparently. Carrots were this, this, this like this, this tiny, tiny little things, were like dark, dark purple or black. So they're almost completely inedible. The amount of carrots you'd have to get to feed yourself was just. This is why I laugh at them all. The same vegetarians who are against oh GM crops, oh GM crops. What do you think all these vegetables are that you're eating? Do you think think that this is how they turned out in the wild? So then the next thing she did was cruelty to animals. I'm just, just like, okay, well, all right, fine. So you want to go this route? I said to her. Let's say we stop eating sheep. Ah, sheep has got. Let, let's say we stop eating pigs. Yeah, let's say the Muslims win. Let's say we stop eating pigs. You're not allowed to eat pigs anymore. So, uh, what's going to happen to all the pigs? The domestic pigs that we've got. Do you think people are just going to keep pigs out of the goodness of their heart and spend money, good money, to feed these rather large animals that take a lot, quite a lot to feed? No. no. So, what's going to happen to the pigs? They're going to die out. Sheep, I didn't want to use sheep because sheep are about the only example, I think, of one domesticated animal that wouldn't die out, and that's because we can use them for wool. Chickens? Do you think chickens are going to be around? Do you think chickens are going to survive out there in the wild now? They haven't got a chance in hell. There's no way. It's a symbiotic relationship. I've developed over thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's a symbiotic relationship. They're around because we need them. And we're around because they need us, I suppose. It's symbiotic. Okay? That's how, that's how these, these animals have gone along. She wasn't convinced, but I could see that she was wavering. She was wavering in front of me, and I kept saying to her, oh, that first steak that I had after being vegetarian for three years. Oh, oh, I still remember it to this day. I do. I still, I know, what, I know where I was sitting. I know the sauce. It was a, it was a, uh, a red wine jus that a friend of mine who was a chef. I went up to a friend of mine who was a chef. It was in Cairns, and I said, I'm giving up being a vegetarian. And he was like, oh, my God. I said, what should my first meal be? And he was like, just, 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 just let me handle it. And oh, I still remember it to this day. To this day. I'll never forget that. Look, we are designed, we are omnivores, people. You can put, look, you can put you in your body whatever the hell you want. But every vegetarian I know who's got older, they are the most unhealthy looking people. They look like they've just walked out of a Japanese prisoner of war camp. They're gaunt. And they end up, and they end up getting riddled with cancer, absolutely riddled. Whereas the guy who's smoking and drinking and eating, uh, eating blood sausage and bacon for breakfast every day lives to his 90 and dies in his sleep. I just, 
This is how we're designed to eat. But the trick is you've got to put real food into your body. And real food means knowing how to cook. It's not, we're not talking, we're not talking microwave dinners here. That's processed food. That shit is bad for you because it's chemical shit. If I make a beautiful um, shepherd's pie with the lovely mints that I've spent a long time cooking, and it's good quality mints from a good quality butcher, and then I've got that lovely mashed potato fluffy top that I then bake in the oven on that shepherd's pie, which, by the way, from the wife and I, will last us for a couple of days. you know, And it tastes so much better heated up. There's nothing better than real food. Last night I was sick. The good wife can't cook. She can do many things, but she can't cook. So I just didn't really feel like cooking, so I made a simple pasta. Here's what I did. A couple of white onions, finely finely sliced. Okay, not, not diced, sliced. Okay, into half rings. Sweat that onion really slowly. And by sweating, it means olive oil in a pan, put in the oven, low heat, a lid on top, and slightly ajar. You just sweat that onion so it, it's for about 20 minutes so it's like it's almost melting it hasn't browned it's still it's still close to white but it's, it's almost melting it turns very very sweet it's amazing how sweet onion turns um, when you cook it in this way add to that a jar of anchovies you know that traditional you know brown anchovies and what you do is you you mash all that up together with some white wine and you're creating like a thick paste that the anchovies all break down cook your your spaghetti your past. I, I prefer a long past like spaghetti or linguine. On the side. Cat, can you stop doing that, you little shit? Um, cook your pasta. At this point, when the, the sauce is ready, I generally just turn it off and cover it and let it sit while the pasta is cooking. Cook the pasta, pour it in, big knob of butter. You don't need any salt because the anchovies are so salty, but some pepper is really nice. Doof, doof, doof. Mix it up together on the plates. Lovely. Takes about half half an hour, 35 minutes. It's no effort if you know what you're doing. And what do I have, in the, have to have in the cupboard to prepare that? Not much. Lovely meal. I've made it, I've made it for people who've come over before. They love it. I've got, I got 50 recipes like that. If this is whole food. This is stuff that's, 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 that's fresh and good for you. Um, the best time of the year for me is winter. Best time. I, I get to make I get to make my stews. Nothing better than a, a good lamb stew. Really, really nice lamb stew. Lamb in particular. But you have to know how to do it. You have to know how to seal the meat first and not overload the pan because then it turns into like turns into all watery meat and it's not good. And then what to add to it and how to add. And once you know it's not hard. But you know, starting off, it's not that easy. Maybe I'll do a post about some cookbooks. Some really the best cookbooks that I have, and I can share those with you. Maybe that'd be an idea. Look, you let me know. Drop me an email. Drop a comment on this uh, podcast. Drop a comment on the blog on this podcast. Whatever you want, um, it's up to you. Because I've tried this stuff before when people have asked, and it has gone nowhere. Okay, absolutely nowhere. So, if you want me to do it, support it, and I'll do it. Okay? Don't be a vegetarian because it's bad for you. It's actually bad for you. And the amount, by the way, to feed the number of people we have in the world right now and they only eat vegetables, I don't think there'd be a tree left standing on the earth. Think how much protein is packed into a fish and how easy it is for us to get that. All right? There'd be... I always think of that, that photo, uh, the uh, satellite shot of Haiti... Haiti, Haiti, how do you pronounce that word? And I think it's the Dominican Republic, and they got the border halfway in the islands there, yeah. And the Dominican Republic, they got gas and electricity, so up to the border, it's in the highlands. It's all beautiful jungle, forested, and then you get, you know, where the border is. They don't need to show it because on the other side of the border, there's not a tree standing. Literally, complete devastation. Why is that? Well, because the Haitians need it for cooking and heating so they've, they've chopped every single tree down go have a look at them google it check out the border between haiti and uh and the american republic the same thing with vegetables if we were only eating vegetables there wouldn't be a tree standing on the planet the whole planet would be fucking vegetables trying to feed everyone it wouldn't work 
And that's what they don't tell you. It's like, it's like the people who say, uh, oh, we should have electric cars. Oh, really? Really? Do you know how long it takes to charge an electric car? The top of the line Tesla shitbox that cost you $200,000, okay, with all of the absolute total upgrades at one of the Tesla's charging stations, takes almost two hours to charge. Yeah? Just think, and I had an Italian friend of mine going, oh, yeah, we just look at this, man, all electric cars. Norway's going to go all electric cars by 2025 or some bullshit. Oh, yeah, oh, really? Oh, really? Okay, so it's the summer holidays, yeah? And uh, everyone's heading to the mountains or the sea in Italy like normally do. Like there's, there's traffic jams on the freeways in Italy when, on the summer holidays and, and, and the winter when everyone's going up for like New Year's Eve or Christmas or something like that. And at these times when you're pulling to get some, some juice for your car, yeah, there's a line. But how long does it take someone to fill up their car and go in and pay? Five minutes? Two hours for the top of the range, by the way. Most of the electric cars take between seven and nine hours to charge with a 300-kilometre range. Now think about the number of cars on the road and think about the lines. The lines of cars waiting to charge. The only way you're ever going to achieve this, guys, is if most people can't afford to have a car. And the only people who have cars are the very, very, very rich. That's the only way. It'll go back to when the automobile first came out in the turn of the 20th century. It's just not going to happen unless we go back to being peasants in a feudalistic society, which is what the SJWs want, by the way. Look, I've spoken, I'm sick, and I've spoken now for 50 minutes, and I think that's a pretty darn good effort. Round of applause, round of applause. Oh, yeah. I'd like to thank the Pope. No, I wouldn't, he's a cunt. All right. This has been Adam Piggott. This is the Pushing Rubber Podcast. This has been the vegetarian episode. If you're a vegetarian, stop immediately and let me know about that first beautiful juicy steak. Go to a really good restaurant, like a really good French or Italian restaurant. Book in and then say, I've been a vegetarian for this many years and I'm about to break it. What do you recommend? And let them take care of you and let me know how it goes and let me know how fucking wonderful that experience was. Bye-bye.